Glad to have you guys uh, here today. Um, glad for those of you who are uh, tuning in online. I'm looking forward to another day together. Um, for those of you who are online, you know, you see me in my, my Broncos shirt. This is, um, this is basically just shamelessness because they just had one of the worst years ever. Um, but, oh well, you got to stick with them in, in, you know, in the good and the bad, right? So, looking around, I'd love to see a lot of your uh, lot of different shirts, see who you represent. I don't know if anybody, did anybody wear a bowling league shirt today? I don't know. You know, we've got a lot of giants, lots of giants and baseball, all that. It's good to have you guys here. Well, uh, listen, if, if you are new here, or if this is your first time um, here, first time in a long time perhaps, um, uh, it's one of the things I try to tell people all the time is that the, the, what we do, the reason why we do everything that we do is we're just trying to inspire you to follow Jesus and to help you to take whatever the next steps are in your spiritual journey. So I don't know where you are. I don't know uh, the things that you have gone through. But one of the things that, that Pastor Tim mentioned is just the availability that we have for people to jump in and be involved in, in, in ministry. You know, there are lots of different steps and things that you can do in your, in your growth as a Christian. But if you're a follower of Christ, one of the things that Scripture tells us is that we ought to be involved in ministering within our local body and within our community. And we've got lots of different areas where you can jump in and do that if, if that's you. Um, well, listen, today we are in our third, um, our, our third message in our um, new series, or I guess it's not new because this is third, but we call it Relationship Rehab. And it's just simply this, that every one of us needs a little help in our relationships. If you are married, uh, this series is for you. If you are unmarried, if you are single, or maybe you're trying to think about whether you know you should do this, you know, tie the knot, maybe you're engaged or whatever, uh, hopefully this, this series is going to be helpful for you. And, and uh, you know, for, for those of you here today who maybe you came along with a friend and, and you're not really a follower of Christ, um, one of the things that I say is that, that all the principles that we're using just to talk about these relationship, um, I'm going to call them relationship tips, but really they're relationship principles that God gives us. But it's coming from a Christian standpoint. But even if you're here and you're not a follower of Christ, I think that that what we're talking about would help you in your relationships. And so I hope that, that you find these things helpful. Um, today I thought I would do something that I haven't done in seven years. And so what I'm going to do is I'm, going to, I'm not going to just talk to you from my perspective about you know, men and women. Um, I'm going to bring my wife Shea up here so that she can make sure that I get it right. Then we're going to share some of our story with you. So Shea, would you come up here? Could you guys... Be nice to her, and yeah, yeah, that that that's good. <laughs> all right. All right, you can sit down now. I got it from here. All right, I'll see. I'll see you all later. <laughs> you know, I preach so much at home. It's kind of like this is just natural. For that's me. right. She does. She preaches at home. Um, I think <laughs> here you get your best material. That's true. That's um, true. So over the last sixteen years that Kyle's been here as the pastor, um, you've talked about our marriage quite a bit. And um, I'm here to set the record straight and to tell you the truth. Um, we've been married for about 25 years, and uh, we've learned in those 25 years that we have a lot of things in common, but we do have a lot of differences that we're still learning to work through. So um, it's, it's been a long journey, and we're still working on it. But um, one of the things I think we realized is it all started with how 
we both grew up. Our childhoods are very different. Right, yeah. So we, we come from very different backgrounds. So my background is um, I was born in California, Southern California. Uh, I was only there for about six years. And then my parents, oh, we're too far ahead. We're too far ahead. There we go. That's a surprise. You didn't see that. Okay. Um, so, um, yeah, born in California, around six years old, uh, my parents, my dad got a job in uh, the, the Rocky Mountains of Colorado, and so we moved there. Um, and I spent the next, you know, 20 years my, my par- in the parents' house, they had it for another 20 years or so. Um, so my, my parents, uh, they had been married for 53 years. In fact, their anniversary is next week. So mom and dad, if you're watching today, happy anniversary earlier. Um, but I've got one brother. He's four years younger. So that's sort of a little bit of my background. Um, now to Shay. So mine is a little bit different. Uh, my brother and I were born in England on an Air Force base, and we moved to the United States when I was two. Uh, after that, I moved seven more times, even before I graduated high school. So uh, before moving here, I never lived any place longer than four years. My parents divorced when I was around eight, and um, since then they both remarried, and now I have four additional siblings. So as you can see, our different backgrounds would naturally cause us to approach things a little differently in our marriage. So um, one of the areas, probably one of the first areas that we realized where we were different is how we drive. Can I get, can I just ask you in the audience, how many of you realize, wow, in the car, we are very different than our spouse? Raise your hand if you drive. Yeah, you drive differently. Some of you have raising two hands. Okay, I get that. I get that. So one of the things that used to drive me crazy is this. Um, my wife is an animal lover. Her favorite animal is the groundhog. Okay, because she likes the groundhog, the deer, all that kind of stuff. And one of the things that would just get me is when I'm driving, going along, and she would see a cute little groundhog on the side of the road or a deer or something like this. And now she would make a, a noise, an exclamation. To me, it would sound like a shriek. Okay, while I'm driving. But to her, what it was is a squeal of delight because she was happy to see this when she would do this. My hands on the steering wheel, and I just kind of jerk, you know, jerk, and I've got to stop myself from, from, from turning. And so I would get angry because I heard this squeal, and I'd be mad because, like, I almost, you know, swerved to miss an inv- invisible thing in front of me. And so, um, it, but then she would be surprised that I was mad, like, why are you mad? I just saw a, a cute little animal. And see, so sometimes that would lead to conversations. Yeah, we would have conversations. Discussions. Yeah, discussions, right. Yeah. So. Well, okay, so my shrieking might cause you to flinch. That's fine. But um, if you want to talk about flinching, uh, when Kyle drives, sometimes when he's turning and the traffic is coming towards him, he's making that turn, I feel like we're playing a game of chicken. And I see my life flash before my eyes. All right. So, honey, you're, you, but you're not in any danger. That's just the problem with depth perception. No, no. That is, that is my depth perception. <laughs> depth perception. No, not depth perception. Depth perception. So, yeah. so another area where we noticed that, that uh, we were different is like filling up the gas tank. So Shay normally starts looking um, for a gas station. The minute that you see the needle go down to like a quarter tank, she's looking for a, a station. And then I noticed sometimes that she wouldn't even fill up the tank. She would just fill it up a couple of dollars. And I was like, well, I don't know what, what that is. And that, that's only, and you'll get this, 
in the wintertime because it gets cold here and I just can't bear to stand outside for the full length of time it takes to fill up the tank. So some days it's a $5 day? Other days right. it's warmer. I get up to 20 Okay. All right. All right. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Anyway, so um, you have your own issues with gas. <laughs> So what Kyle does is he waits until the car is nearly and like almost on empty and then he starts looking for a gas station but he will not stop until he gets to the cheapest gas. He has to find the cheapest gas. It's a problem. Yes, it is. It's a problem. Um, There, the the cheap gas was too far away and we broke down. That is a true story. That is true. That is true. You know, um, and, and you know, did you notice that she loved me enough to take that picture? <laughs> that was also the day that Faith was like three, and that was like the, the New Jersey Turnpike or something, and she was like two or three, and she really had to go to the bathroom. And she said, hate me for telling it you was, this. Yeah. We, we it was had fun. to find ways to, to, to relieve that problem. We didn't plan on that in our thing no, here. No, okay. I shouldn't have said Faith, did I? <laughs> a child. Forget I said yeah. that. Yeah. All right, let's move on to food. Oh, yes. So Kyle has a sweet tooth. I have a savory or salty tooth. All right. So what's your favorite candy bar? Reese's Peanut Butter Cup. Reese's Peanut Butter Sweet, sweet, salty. All right. Yep. Um, I will always choose atmosphere over cuisine. I am happy just eating a decent meal in beautiful surroundings. So, you know, dimmed lights, romantic music. My husband, he will choose taste. You know, just... Quality and amount of food. Yeah, delicious food. Um, Over everything else, he probably wouldn't even bat an eye eating like a a five-star meal on the lid of a garbage can in a back alley. As long as it was clean. Tastes good, yes. Yeah, Yeah, that's right. Okay, well, um, so let's talk about that. I like my steak cooked medium. Um, Shay likes hers tough with a black char coating. Um... It needs to be difficult to cut. Uh, sometimes she might make a mistake and the chicken will come out um, very tender and juicy. <laughs> and she's afraid now that it's undercooked. And so um, I, because I love her, I bought her a really fancy food thermometer for Christmas. I mean, we even went to a cooking class in Vermont. Um, but th- that's how she likes her meat. Yes. When he thinks it's done properly, I think I'm going to kill everyone with food poisoning because it's, it's underdone. Yeah. Um, but you would cook the same way if you were seven months pregnant and had food poisoning and everything on the inside of you wanted to be on the outside of you. So that, that kind of scars a person. Yeah, it scarred me too. So, yes. yeah. <laughs> it's... It's so, still scarring us. Yes, yeah, I'm sorry. I will work on it. Yes. Okay. So, speaking of food, we also have our own philosophy oh. of how packages ought to be opened. There you okay, go. Okay, so this is Kyle. If he were to open this, he would... Bag of M&M's. Yes, bag of M&M's. He would take it, and he would... This is, this is how he opens it. And we get maybe, like, one at a time. Yeah, squeeze it through. There, there you go. go. There you and go. that is how you open a bag, okay? Just enough. This will probably take him a week to finish. Right? <laughs> you eat like this. So my wife, uh, this is true. So my wife, what she will do is she will take a bag and she will tear it open. Oh. Oh, and uh, there are a few left. There are a few left in here. So that's good. You know, uh, for those of you who, who want, come up and grab some of these after the service is done. This is, this is free for, for, for all right here. Happy Valentine's Day. A little bit earlier. 
yeah. So another area when uh, when it comes to shopping is um, uh, I, I'm more of a saver. I'm, I'm always searching for the better deal and like you know the whole the whole going and finding the gas and all that. So I like to go shopping by in bulk at Sam's Club. Okay, I guess that makes me the spender or the one who's a little less bulky. Um, I like to, I do like to save money. Yes. Um, but I also really care about variety, and I just don't want to eat the same cereal for six months in a row. Okay. Yes. You understand that? Yeah. Um, okay, and I've learned that too because if you if you end up just a little tip for you go shopping at Sam's. I, I bought shampoo and I thought, okay, this is like in my mind it's family shampoo. What it ended up is only me that was going to use this. So I've been using the same shampoo now for like two years. <laughs> I don't think I need to buy that at Sam's anymore. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So. Um, but one thing I think we can agree on is we both like a really good movie. Yep, like okay. good movies. So I like epic dramas set in beautiful locations with gorgeous costumes. So like Downton Abbey, Pride and Prejudice, anything by Jane Austen. Yeah, I also like movies with costumes. Um, Iron Man, Batman, <laughs> Star Wars, the, the Avengers, anything like that. Lord of the Rings, that's my style right there. So, um, all right, so speaking of movies... Um, we were thinking about, I think both of us can be described um, using movie characters when it comes to um, our sleep patterns. Um, so here's, here's my understanding of, of Shay. Shay wakes up in the morning like Cinderella. She wakes up, she sits upright, and she yawns, and then she starts singing and moving around, and the windows are open in the woodland, the, the birds are flying, the woodland creatures are coming around as she's, you know, dancing around the room, and, and all this. This is her in, in the morning. And when I'm doing that Cinderella routine, and I open up the window, the sunlight comes in, it hits my husband, he shrieks. Goes under the covers and screams, I'm melting, I'm melting like the Wicked Witch of the West in The Wizard of Oz. But actually that only happens just a couple times in July when the sun actually comes out in the morning in Binghamton. Yeah. So anyway, all of this to say, uh, just to really illustrate for you and just for all of us, that it requires work to get through some of our differences in order to have a good relationship. And I think that we have a good relationship and a good marriage and and i've loved spending the last 25 years with you honey so thank you for coming up here mm -hmm, and memorizing your script and all of that and the <laughs> nervousness of being up here yes, um, i love you i love you too honey so uh, something interesting that shay and i noticed uh, as I've been going through this series, the last, you know, uh, this is the third one, but I've been going for about four weeks or so looking at this, is, is um, when I'm ready to speak on this, it's almost as if God provided us ways that we need to work on our marriage. <laughs> it's like I'm talking about this, and so God's like, okay, well, let's see how you work this out in real life. And Shay was telling me, you know, Kyle, maybe you should preach your next series on what you would do if somebody gave you massive amounts of money. Um, and you could just prepare for that, and then maybe that would happen. So, um, so I, I just want to talk today, really, I want to be a little bit more practical, but today the focus is our differences. Uh, when, when you look around, we are, we're all a bunch of different people. When it comes to male and female, we are, we are different. When it comes to relationships, there are a lot of studies out there that a lot of people have different philosophies. And, and I, look at, um, I, I look at relationships in our time and there is so much confusion 
I mean, there really is. Uh, there are so many efforts from society that are trying to maybe blur the differences between men and women. There, there's, there's a lot of stuff out there. There's, a, there's, an, there's an attempt um, to try to make us equal, men and women, trying to make us equal. And, and what we need to understand and what I wish society understood is it's not an issue of trying to make us equal because God created us to be equal but He also created us to be different. He gave us unique abilities, unique roles in life, you, you, you just unique things. We are different by design. Men and women, they, we are designed differently. So today I just want to look at a few texts of Scripture. I'm not going to do a deep dive like I normally love to go fairly, fairly deep. And I just want to talk about this. And I'm hoping that today I can give us some ways maybe we can appreciate and even love the ways that, that God has designed us to be different. So um, let me start with just some foundational texts here. So going all the way back to the beginning, Genesis, Genesis 1:27, it says, God created humankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them and male and female. He created them now. If you would have told me that 30 years ago that this text would be absolutely crucial for us to understand for, us, for our society, I, I don't think I would have gotten it. I don't think that I would have really uh, agreed that, that this text was one of the most needful in, in addressing our society. Um, the fact that God created us in His image. First thing that tells us is that um, He has bestowed upon humanity extreme value the most valuable if you want to say the most valuable thing I, I, I don't know if you can do that but but the most valuable thing is God himself he is absolutely unique and to put his image on us is is bestowing extreme value and then he tells us he says he he creates us as male and female meaning there are exactly two genders and that they are complementary to each other. And that doesn't mean that everybody has to fit in a, a certain category about one, how one is going to act or how the other is, is going to act. And, and I, I really don't try, I'm not going to try to tackle the issue in our society about how it's trying to not just define gender roles, but how it's trying to find you know, gender, redefine gender by creating new ones. But, but I was just thinking about this and I found kind of a helpful argument or a way to look at this um, for hundreds of years, archaeologists have been digging in the ground and they have been digging up skeletons. And by looking at the skeletons, they're able to tell whether this is a, a, a male or a female, if they have all of the bones. And they, they, they do this. And, and they've got two choices, male or female. They didn't have third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh choices in, in this. And, and I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm hopeful that in a hundred years if we're still around and all that, if, if archaeologists will still be doing the same thing, I, I really kind of doubt that they're going to be trying to label skeletons as, uh, well, this person is, you know, um, you know a, a, a non-gender, you know, non-binary, wh wh whatever it is. I, I kind of doubt that. But the truth is that men and women have been created equally in the image of God. And that means at least this. Okay, I'm going to read something from, uh, from uh, two guys, Grudem and, and Piper, uh, what they wrote. They said, created equally in the image of God means at least this. That when the so-called weaknesses and strength columns for manhood and womanhood are added up, the value at the bottom is going to be the same for each. And when you take the two columns and you put them side by side, God intends for them to be the perfect complement for each other. 
This is the way that God has designed us. It didn't happen on accident. Okay, so that's that's the first thing. That's sort of a foundation point. Secondly, in Genesis uh, two or two seventeen, two eighteen, says that the Lord God said, "It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him." And so this begins to give us a standard of how husbands and wives ought to view each other. This word helper in the Old Testament, it's the word um, azer. And this word is actually most often used of God. That God is our helper. I I lift my eyes to the the hills for where my help comes from. My help comes from the Lord. Okay, So that's, that's the word. But a helper is the one who does for us what we can't do for ourselves. So, it's, it's the one who meets our need. And in the context, the word here, it seems to express the idea of an indispensable companion. That they're, they're, you, you can't do without this person, without the, this helper. Um, and so a helper can only help from a position of strength. Um, they bring something to what you need that you never had and you would not be able to do without. So the person can only help when they, they have abilities that the other person doesn't have. So the word doesn't mean assistant. And I know that um, in the past, maybe this was, was just taught or, or preached the wrong way. But to refer to the wife as the helper, what it's saying is she has a ministry of strengths that the husband doesn't have. And that needs to be appreciated. So I really this is sort of going to be a theme for, for some of the rest of today. But, but see, the woman supplies what was lacking in the design of creation and, and logically of, of the man. God designed it, created it that way. And then the man supplies what the woman is lacking by design. This is all designed to make us interact, to, to make us learn, to make us grow and it's, it's not an accident. And we're different by design in hundreds of ways, maybe, maybe thousands of ways. So let, let me go on a third text to be, for today. I've only got four texts. So um, then, then you've got the first command towards marriage. The first command towards marriage is in Genesis uh, 2.24. And God says, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. So when a couple gets married, they, they depart from their parents, and because they're designed to correspond well with each other, what they do is they, they connect, and this idea of being, well, that, of being um, joined together, um, old, older, like uh, King James Version said, they should leave their mother and father and they would cleave to one another. The, the idea here is, a, I used to think like super glue, but this is more of like a welding. It's, it's like the spiritual welding so that they are one. And so, what marriage is supposed to do is bring a complete change of perspective. You're no longer under your parents. You, you've now started a new family. Okay, a, You're a new unit. So, having said this, this really kind of lays the foundation. Now, not only are we different by design, but we've got different individual commands of what we're called to do as men and as women. And if we're married... What we're commanded to do as husbands and as wives. And so um, I just want to look at one example that comes from a command that is given toward men uh, or given to men toward their wives. So men, I want to focus on us. I thought it would be good exercise. Valentine's Day is coming up in a couple of days. If you didn't know that, thank you. You're, you're welcome for that tip. Okay. Um, but let's look at this. This is in First Peter 3, 7. And it says this, Husbands. 
Likewise, dwell with them with understanding, giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers may not be hindered. All right, so normally, um, you, you guys know me, and I like to kind of do a deep dive into the words and the meanings and, and pull out things. Today, I just really want to be really pretty practical um, in, in talking about this. So men, one of our primary commands is to honor our wives if we were married. We honor our wives and we're commanded to understand them. Now, I know it says to live with them in an understanding way, but the emphasis is that we're called to understand the differences between us. I just showed you that we are different. We're created that way. We're designed that way. That is very specific. But we're commanded to understand the differences. Um, and then we're called to compensate and to figure out how do we work through this. So... Um, I think about that. I just kind of laugh at this command. We're, we're commanded to understand. I, I would say this. A, a man's chance of ever truly understanding women is very, very slim. Okay? You can laugh at that. That's okay. But see, the good news, guys, is this. Um, you're only commanded to understand one woman. That's your wife. You're only commanded to understand one You don't have to understand every woman. You are commanded to understand your wife. Um, so, so... Let me just ask a question. Audience participation. Now, remember, we are in church. Okay? But I just want... Could you give me some broad categories, maybe, of ways that, uh, that men and women are different? I, just one word. One word answers. Do you have a one word answer in the area where men and women are different? What would you say? Communication. That's, that's huge. Yeah. How, you, how we communicate and relate with one another. How else? Compassion. All right, maybe, maybe one is more compassionate than the other. I've seen, I've seen men that are more compassionate than women, and vice versa. But okay, how, how else? Height. Height? <laughs> can, can I have you guys stand up? There we go. There we go. There we go. Height. <laughs> That's good. All right, so. I want to talk about, for the remainder of our time, I want to talk about just, just really four basic areas. We are different physically. Uh, we're different emotionally. Uh, you could say emotionally, mentally. Um, obviously, we're different sexually. We'll leave that for another, a different session. But we're, we're different relationally. Um, someone mentioned communication. And I think that we're different in, in our perspectives of things. Um, and and it, it's not across the board that men are always this and women are always this. But oftentimes what you find is that the husband and the wife, they have differences, right? And, and that's what we're really worried about here. So physically, I, I think that it's obvious. We, we know that our bodies are very different um, with, with very good reason. But one of them is, is strength. It's, it's physical stamina. Okay. They did a study in uh, World War II. A uh, study was done with women who were working in the factories to help support the war effort. And you had men and women that were there, but the women would be doing uh, some things corresponding with, with the men. And, and when the hours were increased from eight hours a day to nine hours a day, uh, what they found is that the accidents and the injuries went up 300% with the women. With the men, there was no change whatsoever. Now that just illustrates that there's, there's, a, there's a difference in, in the, the physicality and the stamina between men and women and how we were designed. You know, I said in um, 1 Peter 3.7, it says that husbands 
they are to care for their wives and give honor to them as the weaker vessel. All right. So what does it mean to be the weaker vessel? Because these two words um, give us a lot of information. So, so weaker just simply means that they were built for a, a different purpose. Okay? It doesn't mean anything about inferiority, but there is a more delicate purpose going on. And then this word vessel, um, often you know, we just think that it means like a, a vase or a pot, or something like a ceramic vase, or something. Or, or, but it also can be like a, an instrument, or it could be a tool, um, or even a, a boat. You've heard of a, a boat being a vessel, right? So to give you a picture of men and women, um, based on these, these two terms, um, a man would be kind of like a tugboat, or like a ship, where you have um, a woman would be more like a, a sailboat. More delicate purpose, streamlined for, for different for different reasons. Okay, um, a man would be more like a kitchen sink, woman would be more like a vase or a vase, if you will. All right, and, and then you've got a man would be more like like a chainsaw, woman would be more like a scalpel. All right, so um, each one has its intended purpose. E- each one has a, a design. You don't push barges with a sailboat, and, and you don't harness the wind with a tugboat. You can't do that. You, you, you don't um, keep roses in the kitchen sink and you don't wash your dishes in a vase, right? Um, chainsaws and scalpels, they're both used for cutting things, right? But you don't use a scalpel to cut a tree. It'll take you forever. And you don't use a chainsaw for surgery, normally. <laughs> okay? So we're physically different. And, and, and research has shown that, that women actually, most women have a better sense of smell and hearing. I understand that there's hearing loss and all of that. But um, just remember this, men, remember this. When you finish working out, if, if you're married, your wife may have a better sense of smell. And you may not notice, and she will notice. And especially you guys who are not married, you should remember this. Okay? Remember this. This is just a tip. That's all. Um, men and women see things differently. From what I've heard, uh, women are more attuned to variations of color, whereas as men are more tuned in with small details, um, details and things. And this may explain why when you remove light, women just across the board tend to have more difficulty judging distances at, at night than men do. That's just statistical, honey. I'm sorry. It was just one of those things I read. <laughs> um, so let's move on. Mentality or, or maybe emotion. Men and women, we, we think differently. Um, I, I love the book called uh, Love and Respect by Emerson Egerich. And he, he basically gave an illustration. He says, you know, men, we see out of blue glasses. We hear with blue hearing aids. We speak with a blue megaphone. Um, women, women speak with a pink megaphone. And they hear with, you know, pink hearing aids and they, and they see with pink glasses. And so often the two, you know, the two of us kind of go like this and the things that we say. And, and, and one of the best illustrations that he gives is this is, how do you interpret this phrase, I have nothing to wear? So if you're a woman, then you hear that phrase, I have nothing to wear, what does it mean? Well, it means um, I have nothing new or I have nothing appropriate to wear, Right. But if you're a man and you say, I have nothing to wear, what does it mean? You got nothing clean, right? Or you just don't have any clothes, right? It's one of those, right? Um, People have said men are like dressers. Women are like walk-in closets. You can shut dresser drawers and everything in there, it's just that, that's it. It's it's contained in there. But see, everything in the walk-in closet is out in the open. 
It's everything. It's sort of out there. It's all the time. Uh, one person told me that for, for a woman back when, you know, Windows was sort of new a long time ago when there would be these uh, viruses that would just give you pop up windows. And she says, that's what it's like kind of in, in some ways to, to be a woman. There's these things that, that pop up and it's not that you open them, but they kind of pop up and they're open and you've got to figure out how to how to close them. Um, one person wrote a book called, um, a husband and wife team, they wrote a book called um, Men Are Like Waffles, Women Are Like Spaghetti. Um, waffles. So what men tend to do is we tend to compartmentalize things into boxes. Uh, we're able to put our work box and our home life box and all of the different boxes and stuff. And, and you guys know what's our favorite box? It's the nothing box. It's the box where you're doing absolutely nothing. You're not thinking about anything. You just have this this nothing box right here. Whereas um, women, if they're if they're more like spaghetti, the idea is it's like spaghetti. It's all interconnected. Everything is involved with the other thing. Everything is, is in there. You know, one woman just said this. Uh, you know, there is never a time that there's nothing going on in my head. If my husband asks me what I'm thinking and I answer nothing, it's because I'm mad at him. See, if a man is asked what he's thinking and he says nothing, there's a 95% chance that, that he's telling the truth. And see, that's the thing. Men, we kind of know this. These guys that go out and they go hunting and they're sitting in a tree for like eight hours, nothing. That's what they're doing, right? Okay? So, um, we have different perspectives on things too. Uh, I saw this hilarious illustration about how men and women perceive themselves. And I saw there's this picture of a, a thin, beautiful woman, and, and she is, um, she's looking, she's dressed well, but she's looking in the mirror, and the mirror image shows her as like bloated and all disheveled, and her clothes are just a mismatch, and it just, to her, she looks at herself, and this is what she sees. On the other hand, it showed a man, and he was a skinny, scrawny man, and he had no muscles, but he's like going like this, and he sees himself in the mirror, and he's like a bodybuilder. Difference in perspective. I have to say, I kind of have that sort of perspective. In my mind, it's like I can, if I think in, you know, you know, I could just work out for a week, and I would probably look like Arnold Schwarzenegger. I don't know why, but that's just how I think. Um, some of you would say, that's not true, Kyle. I, I get it. I get it. Um, bulky, right? Um, so last area I want to kind of focus on is this, and this is in relationality. And, and I want to say this because I think that um, I think we just need tips of how to relate to one another. Um, John Gray, who uh, he was part of the book, um, Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus, uh, as well as uh, the pastor Mark Gunger, he wrote a, or he actually did a thing called Laughter Way to the Better, Better Marriage. So great. Th- these guys talk about how men and women sort of um, keep score of how we're doing in our relationship with one another, and like how we're how are we doing at like bearing the weight of marriage. How are we doing in our responsibilities? And really, in some ways, how are we doing in, in, in not just bearing weight, but in some ways encouraging one another? And so let me just say, this is kind of the way that a man's brain works. And I've done this, I've taught this a long time ago. Um, so just imagine this. Uh, so the man gets up early when he wants to stay in bed. And so because he does that, he gives himself 500 points. Because, man, I didn't want to get up out of bed. And so then he, he gets up, he, he goes to work, and because of that, he gives himself 300 points. 
and the car is out of gas. So he's like, all right, I'm going to stop. I'm going to get gas. And he gives himself, you know, 100 points. By the end of the day, he has accumulated for himself around 2,500 points. All right. So and then what he does is, is he comes home and he sits down on the couch. Now, ladies, if you're at home and your husband comes down and he sits on the couch, um, this is why men come home and they sit down and they don't really contribute anything right way there because in his mind, he is far ahead uh, of points and he's given you as his wife a chance to catch up. That's what he's doing. He's got 2,500 and he's just saying, OK, you know, I'm not saying this is right. This is just how his brain works. OK, now. Women keep track of points very differently. This is how she would keep score. So the husband, he gets up early when he wants to sleep and she loves him and she appreciates him. And so she gives him one point. And, and he gets up, he goes, he works hard at work and, and she knows that she appreciates him, loves him. And so she gives him one point. He fills up the car with gas and she, that's so nice. And so she gives him one point. And, and so she also got up. She also worked hard. If she had a job, she went to work. She fed the kids. She cleaned the kitchen. She, she cleaned the house. She paid the bills. She's the one that cleans the toilet. So the score in her mind is 3 to 13. All right? And, and she's thinking, well, you, my husband, he shouldn't be sitting because look at the different score here, right? Now, this is very, this is very frustrating to men. Um, because we only get one point for the things that we do. And with the inflation of today, it, you know, it, it seems unfair, right? So, so, guys, I just want to talk about one way that we can try to make this work for us. It seems like this is against us, that we only get one point for the things that we do. Um, but, but here's the key to understanding this and understanding our, our, our ladies. Wives give their husbands... One point or a point for any and every kind thing we do, whether it's huge or whether it's simple. They give us a point. And this means every time that you do a simple act of kindness, your wife, she may not do it, you know, go like this. Oh, what point? But she in her mind, she gives you a point. So um, so this is something that, that I kind of this is a. You know, our, our household. When I remember to set up the coffee at night, okay, so we, we don't have like the exact system, but sometimes she goes to bed and I'm up late. And when I remember to set up the coffee and set it so that when she gets up, the coffee is brewed. She absolutely loves that. And I'm upstairs in, in bed and I hear she goes downstairs and she walks in the kitchen and I can just have this imaginary thing. I can hear her giving me a point. It's like there's in the kitchen and there's this ding. And I'm like, yes. I remembered to do the coffee. But she tells me this afterward. She, I come down and she goes, you remembered to do the coffee. And she really appreciates that. And I'm like, I feel, you know, really good about that, right? And so, guys, here's, here's the thing. You can succeed in your relationship while doing much less than you think you have to. Okay? Just, just walk with me here. There are small things that you don't care about. Okay, but they are so small, they're easy to do. And, and, and we, if we knew how much our wives appreciated for th- these things, we would do them and we would be scoring hundreds of points. Uh, but, but see, unfortunately for, for guys, so we want to kind of take everything and group it into like these big events. And unfortunately, like it, it seems like um, guys typically go out four times a year. 
uh, what I mean, go all out four times a year for their wives. So you've got Christmas, you've got their birthday, you've got our anniversary, and then you've got the obligatory Valentine's Day. Four times! Now, Shay, Shay, does that mean that we only get four points for those days? Only one point per day. Only one point per day! So, so here, here's the key, and I just want you guys to remember this. Simple acts of kindness. Guys, men, can you say that with me? Simple acts of kindness. Alright? So, so in the morning, see, this is my problem. I get up in the morning and I think, and I make, I sort of make the bed. But my problem is I only make my side of the bed. I just, I, I get up and I make my side of the bed and I'm getting dressed and then I just kind of walk out and I sometimes forget to do the other side. And she's like, why don't you do the whole side? But you know, whenever I make the bed, you know what happens? Ding! I get a point. You know, for some of you guys, if you would just pick up your clothes, you know what you would hear? Ding! Right? You would hear that. Or, or maybe after you eat, you clean up the dinner table and then you get another point. You know, ding! Um, John Gray in his book, in the um, Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus, he, he said this. He said it's interesting. If you, if you bring a woman a rose and you bring and you're like, honey, I, I brought you a rose and, and she receives her, oh, thank you. She, you give her a rose and you know what happens? Ding, right? You get a point, like active kindness. But you know what guys think? We think, wow, one rose, I get one point. If I go get 12 roses, I'll get 12 points, right? So they go out and they spend $90 and you go and you get a dozen roses and you bring it to your wife and you give it to your wife and you know what happens? Ding! You only get one point. Let me just ask you ladies a question. Ladies, would you, how many of you would rather get 12 roses 12 different times? rather than a dozen roses one. Raise your hand if you'd rather get 12 roses 12 different times. All right. Well, that's probably most of you. All right. And see, for us guys, we're thinking, man, this is terribly inefficient. Uh, that's, what we're, that's what we're thinking. <laughs> so, l- listen, this is what I want, I want you to do, and I'll tell you how, where I learned this from. Um, try this, guys. I want you to try this. Plan to take your, your gal on a date, okay? So if you have kids, plan the babysitter. Don't have her do that. You plan the babysitter, okay? You be the one. You buy the tickets if you're going someplace. You make the reservations. You schedule the thing. You, you figure all of it out. And see, here's the thing. Don't pull this amateur move and say, oh, I'm going to surprise her. No, that's an amateur move. Tell her what you are going to do. You tell her what you're going to do and and see what happens is that you tell her what you're going to do and you're doing all this and guess what? You get a point and you haven't done anything yet. Alright? That's a wonderful... Some of you are just sitting there. Yes, it's true. You get a point you haven't done anything. And yet, here's the thing. Every time she thinks about it, so let's say you plan to, oh, in two weeks we're going to go do something or maybe it's something big. We're going to do something big in a month. Every time she thinks about it, and every time she tells one of her friends about it, guess what? She says, oh, he's taking me, we're going to go, and in her mind, ding, you're getting a point, and you haven't done anything at all yet. Alright? You're getting points for doing nothing. And see, the, the way that uh, I've seen this in the action is I've got a friend, Joe Underwood, he's one of our elders here, and he is so good at planning things for his wife uh, months ahead of time. And so he would say, we're going to go on a cruise, we're going to do this, we're going to do that. And he, you know, every, every so often they just go and they do this big thing. We're going to go down to Lancaster and I bought these tickets and we're staying over here and we're going to go do this and this and this. And he tells her all of these things. And see, 
that's good and bad because what he do, what happens is that Deb comes and she starts talking to Shay about all the things that Joe is planned for her. And see, I hear this in, in Deb's mind. There's this ding. Oh yeah, he's gonna and he's ding and he's gonna and, and then Shay's like, huh? Kind of looking over at me and like I'm losing points because of what Joe has been doing. See, um, but but see. The best way to score points in, in this thing is just to have a meaningful conversation with your wife, to have a meaningful conversation with your gal. OK, and what this means, guys, you cannot drift off into your nothing box. You can't have a conversation and be in your nothing box and be like, uh huh, uh huh. She knows you're in your nothing box. So what you have to do is that she says some things and she's like, oh, I was talking to so-and-so and they talked about their cat and you say, really, what happened next? Ding. Well, let me tell you. And then she's like, well, wah, 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 wah. And you're like, really, wah, 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 wah. Ding. Right. And then, and then you go on and she goes, da, 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 and you're listening. And then, and then if you really want this to work really well, what, what you do is you just, you interact and you ask, how did that make you feel? Ding, 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 ding. Right? She's wondering, what in the world, right? So, so years ago, I, I heard all of this and I've, I've listened to this and I've read some of this. And, and so I told Shay about this analogy. And so I started kind of playing out the whole points thing. Um, in, in our marriage. And we haven't done it since actually when I started this marriage series, I started kind of doing it again. Um, but so years ago, um, I, I started designing points and I would do it out loud. So I would do the dishes and I'd be like, oh, I did the dishes, 50 points, you know, and I just kind of declare it out loud. And, and uh, I changed the struts and I changed the tie rods on my car and I'm like, a thousand points. And, and, then, and you know, I, then she came out and I asked her, and I told her, you know, a thousand, and I said, how many points do you think this is worth in your head? And she, she just, um, just kind of smiled and, and kissed me, and she didn't say anything at all. <laughs> and I'm thinking, one point probably, you know? I'm getting a thousand points. And we had, this, we had a really good laugh about this, about how we sort of assign these things. And see, then I'm, I'm working on my car, and then she did something really unexpected for me. Uh, she, um, I'm sitting there working and she came and she brought me uh, just a nice cold Diet Coke. And, and I, I was like, wow, I, it made me feel so good that when, when she gave it to me, I said, I, I gave her 400 points. I just said, 400 points, and I gave it to her. And, and, and when I told her that, she acted like I had just given her a rose. She was the one who gave me the Diet Coke. But I said 400 points. I appreciated her and she acted like I gave her a rose. And then she kissed me again and I'm thinking, how does this thing work, right? <laughs> and what we began to do is we began to learn that, that we, we attach values um, to, to different things. And this simple illustration was just simply one way that we learned how to, um, how to communicate it, how to harness it. And, and instead of us being different and getting angry and frustrated because we attach the values of different things, we sort of turned it into this, this kind of a, a game and, and, and it just became one of the, the, the word pictures we use in life maybe to, to help us understand one another. And so, you know, I think about this and why, why did we do this and why were we doing this, uh, this, this last couple of weeks? 
And, and really what we're doing is we're, we're learning how each other thinks. We're, we're trying to learn. How, how does she think? How does, how does he think? And then when we understood, it helped us appreciate each other much more. And see, God commands us this. It's very simple. God commands us that we've got to continually be a student of our spouse. Men, you have to continually be a student of your wife. You've got to continually do this. You've got to continually learn to relate through each other's perspectives. And see, this is what I, this is your homework. This is what I want you to do this week. So, um, I want you to think through the different values that each of you place on things. And some of it could be the chores at home or going on vacation or whatever. I want you to talk about these things. Ask and say, well, how, how do you value this or how do you value that? Okay. And, and, and I want you to talk about that. So if you're married, talk about the things that you value most. If you're not married, what I want you to do is just find somebody in your friend group. All right. Whoever it is, a friend or maybe somebody, you know, maybe you're, you're, you're living, you know, maybe you're younger, living with your, your family, your, your parents or whatever. Um, I want you to find somebody in your friend group and, and I want you to ask them, what are the things that you value most? And you can talk to somebody at work, a coworker of the opposite sex. What are the things that you value? And, you know, you can just say, oh, my pastor just kind of went on this crazy rant this week and, and just talk about it. But what it does is it helps us understand. And, and the word different by design. And that we learn to be a student of our spouses. Because, see, listen, I don't want you to forget this. And I don't know where you came from, what you're going through. But you need to remember that God created you in His image. Specifically with just value that comes from Him. You don't have to earn your value. And the, the different things, the different ways that you look at things... Um, listen... God has created you different from your spouse, different from other people. And I hope that as you walk away from at least today and maybe from this series, that you will learn to give allowance to others for some of their difference and all that. But you also learn to see that God's fingerprints are on each and every one of us. And because of that, we ought to honor one another, attach a value to one another. So let, let me close this in prayer and then... Um, let there be a mad dash to run up here and grab the Dove chocolates. Um, Heavenly Father, thank You for Your great love for us. Thank You for how You have created us as men and women. How You make us... Um, <laughs> in some ways, some ways it, it, we, we might be exasperated at times, but in other ways, it is just so amazing the things that You have done for us, And it's meant really for us to grow in one another, but it's also meant for us, you've designed us to glorify you, to turn back to you and all that you've done for us. So Lord, I pray for, um, I pray for the marriages that are represented in this room. And I ask for those that are going through a harder time, those that are having more difficulty communicating, I, I just ask that you, you would help even through this today or maybe through something else. I ask that you would encourage them Help them to work through the communication issues, the relationship issues. Um, and Lord, I, I just pray most of all that, that You would be the one that is lifted up. Like we sang today. You are the one that is worthy to receive praise and honor and glory for You are the Creator of all things. Thank You for Your love for us displayed in Jesus Christ. We love You. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
All right, Grace Point, let's go out. Let's be the church. And remember, be a student of your spouse as you go out this week. You are dismissed.